Come on, don't stop there. God, you're good. You're good. You're so good. God, in this place right here, we recognize it's holy. We may not understand it completely, God. We may not even know the why, but you choose to inhabit the praises of your people. And you're here right now. And God, you can do things that, that we can't even imagine. And so there are people here, God, coming from all kinds of walks of life, and, and we're all here gathering in one accord, looking to you. Don't leave this place, God. Speak to us. Be present, God. Shake us up today. Wake us up today, God. We're alive to your presence. Oh, in Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. amen. Can we give the worship band? Come on. Thank you, guys. You can grab a seat. Whew. Man, that makes my job a lot easier. <laughs> I want to welcome you. Uh, my name's Jake. Uh, I'm the ministries pastor here at Lone Tree. Pastor John uh, is not here. I get the pleasure to be here, and we're wrapping up a series called Christians Might Be Crazy. Um, and I think we're going to, I'm just going to tell you right now, and you heard a little bit of it, we're going to have some fun. Is that okay? Do, we, do I have permission to have some fun in church? Okay. Uh, so we're going to dig in, but before we do that, uh, if you'll allow me, one shameless plug. Is that good? All right. Um, we have had for several years pastors John and Joanna Brandberg leading our marriage uh, couples ministry, and they've done a phenomenal job with it. If you've been out, uh, it's amazing what they're doing. And uh, we're excited, though, me and my wife, to be taking over. John and Joanna are actually launching their church in January, uh, and we're pumped about that. We're excited for One Life Church. Uh, we're going to celebrate with them. Uh, but me and my wife, Kim, we get the pleasure to kind of take up uh, the reins, and man, we are super excited about it. And so I say that all to say this. Uh, in two weeks, we have our Married People's Kickoff event. And if you've never been or you've been in the past, I mean, I just want to encourage, how many married couples have we got in here? Right on. Wow. Okay. Um, we're, I'm in the right place then. Uh, listen, here's the deal. It's 25 bucks a couple. And man, you, you can't even go to a movie nowadays for that. <laughs> right? Am I right? Uh, we're going to have, you know, desserts and cheeses and snacks. We're gonna, I'm going to be teaching there. Uh, there's going to be a lot of fun, man. We're going to do some fun stuff. We're going to talk. The theme for this year we're talking is called Closer. And the idea is that as married couples, we're either moving closer together or further apart. Uh, what are we doing? And how can we get better at being closer? Um, so listen, uh, I know everyone's busy. So make sure to go on, log on. We need to know how many people are coming, so you can go to the website, log on. Guys, let me just give you a, a second. I know typically how these go, because I've been dragged to events before <laughs> as a husband. Can we be honest? <laughs> um, I, we have worked really hard to make this an event that I would like to go to as well. So men, if you're questioning, you're just like, I don't know, come out, check it out. I promise you it's going to be for everyone, young, old, you name it. Uh, sign up online uh, and do that. Sound good? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, if you got your Bibles, pull them out. And if you would, as we read today's text, would you stand with me as we read this? Got a couple verses I want to read. Uh, we're going to read out of the book of John today. 
uh, and this is Jesus talking. So if you could, in your, you've got an extra hour of sleep, right? So we can, we can project a little here. Would you read this with me today, starting with this? The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, this is the same verse. It's taken from the paraphrased message version. I, I really want this to sink in. So let's read this together. A thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed. One last one from the Amplified Version. Is this starting to sink in a little bit? You getting the words? Let's try it all together. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Are you getting it now? Is it starting to sink in? All right, one last one, uh, and then then we'll dive into the rest of it. It's found in Revelations. Jesus is addressing the church in Sardis, and this is what he writes about the church there. Read it with me. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. God, we're about to stir the embers. And we don't want fake, God. We don't want uh, super hyper spirituality, God. We just want you. And so challenge us, speak to us, God. I pray that, that, that as people leave today, they would feel, God, that they've connected with the creator of the universe. Do this in your name we pray. Everyone said, amen. amen. Give someone a fist bump as you grab a seat. Say, it's good to see you. It was the late 1980s, and it was a junior high dance. <clears throat> Carmody Middle School is where I went to. And I was attending, you say, what middle school dance was it? Was the, I don't know. Do you remember your junior high dance? Like, it was just a dance, okay? And I'm, I'm at this dance. Now, to give you a little context, okay, before I tell you this, 13-year-old Jake was, my story's interesting. Some of you know it. I'm what they call a, a prodigal son, okay? I... I tried every pleasure, I did everything I could in the world, uh, and I came, I ended up coming smack back, I ran smack back, blah, 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 learning as a talker, smack dab into Jesus. But when I was 13 years old, um, I didn't, I wasn't this wayward son, I was actually, I had a really, really intense relationship with Jesus. At the age of 11, my dad was killed in a car accident, and it kind of forced me to lean in towards my heavenly father. And I was passionate about it, man. I was the guy who carried his Bible to school every day, all right? I had written stuff all over. I had tagged it all up with questions just to get people talking, just to people like, this book will change your life. What? What is that book? You know, if someone mentioned the paper, I'd be like, paper? The Bible's written on paper. Let me talk to you about it. I was just pat, I was intense. And man, when I, when I get a mission, when I get a purpose, I am driven towards it, man. And this is who I was. I wanted my whole school to come to know Jesus. This was the only reason I woke up and went to school. Yeah, I studied, I did all that, but my purpose, man, I wanted to see my whole school come to Jesus. So I had this intense personality, man. I was just one of those guys that was, 
you know, very serious and, 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 and very into this. I, I don't know if you grew up in youth group in the 80s, but <clears throat> we all dated Jesus. Do you remember this? Oh, Lord. We all, yeah, it was just like, we never dated anyway. It was just, we're dating Jesus, okay? And so I had this intent, you know, hormones are flying, doesn't matter, but I was in love with Jesus here. And so here I find myself, I didn't even really want to go to the dance, but here I am at it, and I don't even know why. I'm like, ah. Maybe, maybe I can share my faith with someone. Maybe, you know. And, and to top it all off, I'm just, can I be honest with you? I'm the worst dancer in the world. I'm, I'm the whitest boy in the room when it comes to dancing. It is, I got big feet. You, have you ever seen someone dance with skis on? You don't, right? It's bad. It's just bad. So I can do a mean robot, though. So if you're ever at a wedding, I will break out the robot any day. But, but here I am at the middle school dance, right? You know the scene, right? The guys are over here, and all the girls are over here. Now, there was this girl that had liked me, and she had been pursuing me all year, you know, and I had, remember, I was dating Jesus, so it was no, 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 like, I'm, I'm about the mission here. And so everyone's standing up against the wall, and Candace, who happens to be the most popular girl in school, <laughs> says, you know, maybe we should do something. Uh, maybe we should dance. Maybe we should do something. Well, listen, my mind's going all kinds of places, right? You got guys over here, girls over here. I'm standing up against the wall, frozen like some white kid, you know, uh, and, and the 80s music is playing. Can I get an amen for the 80s music? Do we got any 80s music? Let's go. There we go. No, no, no. Let's do another one. Do another one. No, 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 no. That's new kids on the block. No, no, no. You got. There we go. There we let that breathe a little. Yeah. You feeling it now? All right. So here I am, <laughs> frozen, right? And I'm standing there and Candace comes up to me and she decides to break the ice here, right? Let's get everyone dancing. And so she comes up to me and she says, Jake, can we, can we dance and, and get people out here dancing? And I remember in all my seriousness and in all my intensity, you know, as I'm working through this in my mind, I just go, thank you, Candace, but no. <laughs> As she turned away, she said something that I'll never forget though. It's etched in my brain, etched in my life. As she turned away, she said, I never knew Jesus could be so boring. That hurt. I know Jesus. I know what he's done in my life. And it's like she's not seeing this at all. I want to try an experiment. You guys up for this? Now, you're probably wondering, why are all these beach balls up here? You're like, it's Pastor Jake. I know. You see it. You just, I don't know how I got it <laughs> labeled as the illustration guy, but I'll take it, okay? I just, don't, I just don't want you to forget. So here, I got a beach ball. I'm not going to give you any instruction. We're going to try something, okay? You, you ready for this? No instruction. Let's uh, just see what happens here. Yes, there, yes. All right, send it back up here, which may be impossible, right? There, yes. Nicely done. Nicely done. What is it about a beach ball that just instinctively, 
Like you have to, it's like if you grew up in the 80s with hacky sack, you just, like, you just join, you just get in and you start doing it and hitting it and, and bouncing it back and forth. I, I got another ball here though, let me see. Let's try this side over here. No, <laughs> this is the kettlebell, and I hate this thing. <laughs> this is this ball is a torture device. All right, uh, I use this to work out with. How many people work out with a kettlebell? Yeah. There's nothing sexy about this ball, right? <laughs> There's nothing that says pick me up and let's play, right? There's nothing that instinctively says, let's toss this around and have some fun, right? There's no qualms, and the makers of this, they know it, right? That's why it's bland, it's gray, it's just, it's there to do its job, right? It's work to us. Here's my question to you this morning, Jubilee. Why, when the church looks at us and looks at Christians, do we tend to see this Instead of this. Now, in case you say, well, that may be true for the church, but here, here in our area, that's not true. I want to show you something. We did our own study here in, in Lone Tree itself. And in a five-mile radius, we, we teamed up with a company that helped us gather this data. And we figured out the number one reason why people in this area, within five miles of this church, don't go to church. You wanna know what the number one reason was, they said? They think church and Christians are boring. They think church and Christians are boring and uninteresting. And look at the TV when we watch it today. Culture tells us, right? Christians, if you're a Christian, you're the Ned Flanders, right? You're the stuffy, uptight, it's all about the rules. And this is how the world sees us. Henry Thoreau, he says this in one of my favorite quotes. He says, most men lead lives of quiet desperation and go to the grave with the song still in them. Benjamin Franklin, he said, most people die at 25 and aren't buried till they're 75. Another author, he says, some men are only alive because it's illegal to shoot them. <laughs> All right, I just made that up. But have you ever been to the postal, post office before? <laughs> Man, one of my favorite uh, theologians, G.K. Chesterton, in his book, Orthodoxy, he has this incredible quote. It's one of my favorite. He says, because children have abounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free, Therefore, they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again until he's nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun. And every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, uh, but has never gotten tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy. And listen to this quote, church, for we have sinned and grown old and our father is younger than we. <sighs> for we have sinned and we have grown old and 
Our father is older than we. What's he saying? What, what, what is he conveying to us? It's the same thing Jesus says. You have this reputation for being alive, but you're dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains. Many of the world looks at us and says, you say this. You have this reputation for being full of life. And I hear all your Bible verses, but I look at you and I see that you're dead. Wake up. And this isn't, the nature of Jesus is so different too than this, right? We see this in the nature of Jesus. Think about the miracles that he did. We like to look at these miracles and say like, you know, well, he was just, you know, see a need, meet a need, right? And yes, that was part of it, but it was so much more than that. Think about his first miracle, right? When he turned the water into wine. It was such an embarrassing thing to run out of wine in, in first century uh, Jewish cultures. It was, we, we don't live in a shame, honor culture, so it's hard for us to understand this at times. But man, if you ran out of wine, it was a disgrace, not to just you as a married couple, but your whole family. The whole town would, would anticipate this party, anticipate this wedding, and they would all show up. And if you ran out of wine, oh, it wasn't just a thing you'd forget. It would mark your family. And here's Jesus in the middle of this. His, it wasn't even his time. And he sees this heartbreak. He sees the potential breaking and, 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 and the shame. And he says, I must interject. I call it defiant joy. Defiant joy. When everything around you and everyone in the situation just says, this is bad, it's not good, defiant joy steps in the middle of it and says, my God says different. It wasn't about the need itself, because think about it, eventually later, they did run out of wine, right? So it wasn't about the wine. Jesus wasn't there just tapping people off, you know, at the end of the party. It was something deeper he was trying to get at. It was the life. It was the joy. He wanted to cut into the darkness and bring something significant. Think about the girl who fell asleep, who died, right? And Jesus came, came in and said, oh, she's just sleeping. <laughs> she's just sleeping, right? Everyone around, is, there's just sorrow and, and, and hurt and pain, right? And Jesus comes in. He says, no, 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 not today. Not today, Eventually, the little girl does die, right? Eventually, death comes. So it's not the miracle itself. Jesus was trying to get into something much deeper to bring defiant joy in the middle of it. And yet, we sit in our kettleball faith. Serious. And listen, there's a time to be serious. There's a time to be thorough in our theology and our studies and, and take things seriously. But church... If we're missing out on the life, Jesus didn't come just to save you from your sins. He came to bring you life yes. and life more than you can imagine. But my bet is you're like me. After this service, we'll go home and do the same old thing, have the same old lunch, watch the same old Broncos lose. <laughs> Go to bed at the same old time, right? Husbands, you'll lean over to your wife, ask the same old question. <laughs> Wives will give the same old answer. 
We'll wake up, do the same old thing over and over and over. And Jesus is crying out, I came that you may have life. There's a picture I grew up seeing that really bugged me. <laughs> have you ever seen this picture of laughing, Jesus laughing? Some of us said, man, this bugged me when I first saw this, <laughs> right? Because once again, I'm this intense, driven kind of person, right? And so, so when, when I read Jesus, I read this just like stoic, like intense kind of admiral, this general, if you will. And to see this completely goes against what I thought Jesus to be. And yet when I read the scriptures and study Jesus more and more, I see that Jesus was more full of life than anyone else in the room. Right, things that we, t I mean, do you remember when he says, you know, it's impossible for, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle? Do you remember that? I mean, come on, that's funny there. That's funny stuff. Jesus is, he's just, everywhere he went, he just brought life. He brought this defiant joy. And it didn't matter the situation. So how do we get this? Couple thoughts when it comes to defiant joy. Number one, if you're taking notes, defiant joy is an attitude, it's not an activity. Listen to me, defiant, you gotta get this, church. Defiant joy is an attitude, it's not an activity. And, and we live in a culture nowadays, and, and the, even the, the style and the way we do church, we flipped it, right? We put the cart before the horse. And we say, we'll do activities, we'll do events, we'll do these Sunday morning, right? And we've, we've come to this place now where many Christians expect, I'll go to an activity and that's where I'll receive joy. That's where this joy will come up, right? When I, and that's not the intent. Joy, defiant joy, it's an attitude. It's something you bring into those events. Does that make sense? I had uh, in my early years when I was at Bible school, uh, me and my wife, uh, we served uh, helping the youth ministry. We were these leaders of, it was all the students and teenagers of all the students that went to Bible college. So just imagine like 30 or 40 preacher's kids, right? Not an easy crowd. And 30 or 40 every week, we would pastor these kids. And I was fresh, green. I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, but man, I just love Jesus and I wanted to see students come to know this, this fullness of life. And I'll never forget my mentor one time pulled me aside. We'd been doing it for about a year. And he said, Jake, can I, can I tell you something serious? I said, yeah, yeah, what's going on? He said, you need to be more serious. <laughs> he said, you need to do some fun events. Do, do some, uh, some, some, all the fun stuff you want to do. The, just do it in a pack and activity. Do, do, do it that way. But man, you need to be more serious. And, and I'll be honest with you. It wrecked me for many years. I, I was living outside of my calling because I thought, okay, okay like I need, to, I need to be Pastor Jake. <laughs> and Jesus is inside like screaming in me. It's like, come on. I came to give you life. Maybe this generation wouldn't be looking away from Jesus if we actually portrayed the life that actually is happening inside of us, church. And maybe if they caught that, maybe, maybe they would jump headfirst into it. I did. Maybe you did. 
See, we think it's, it, we think it's an or thing, right? Oh, we gotta be this or this. We gotta, it's not that. God wants to bring fullness of life in the middle of everything. And that's why it's an attitude. It's not an activity. Does that make sense? Are you with me? All right. A couple questions that'll help us get to the root of this, okay? Let me ask you this. When was the last time you went on an adventure? Come on, can we be real? Now, remember, it's not the adventure itself, but when's the last time? It's the spirit of it. It's the attitude of it. When's the last time you went on an adventure? How about this? Do you have something you're looking forward to? Is it, is it just the daily grind, right? And how about this one? Do you know how your heart is? Do you know how your heart is? Do you come in Sunday mornings and it's, you know, Eeyore? <laughs> How's your heart? How's your heart? Second thing, if we're talking about defiant joy is this. Defiant joy is a choice. Happiness is a feeling. We have to understand this uh, because we confuse this. A lot of people will walk out of here and don't let the enemy do this, okay? Don't let the enemy steal the seed here. All right, because some of you, you hear this and you're, and you're, you're okay, joy, joy, and you think, I, I can't be fake, Jake. I, just, I can't fake that, right? It's not about being fake, right? It's about being mature. See, if I pull a kindergartner out, right, and I spend a day with him, if he's upset, everyone in the room's gonna be upset, right? Because Little kids wear their emotions on their sleeves. They're immature. They can't handle it. So if they're mad, they're going to express it. If they're upset, if they're depressed, if they're, you know, happy, everyone in the room knows it. But a mature person can actually manage that. Have you ever been uh, with a person before and been like, hey, how you doing? And it's just, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Just like my dog ran away and I'm just blah, 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 blah. And you're like, wow. I had someone tell me when I was very young that how are you doing is not a question, it's a greeting, <laughs> right? But, but we have people there. There's sometimes we get in this place where, where we think, listen, happiness is an emotion. It's something you feel, okay? Joy is a choice. Look at this verse. It's found in Psalms 30. 11 through 12, it says this. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. When you wake up every morning, you put on your clothes, hopefully. <laughs> it's a choice you have, isn't it? You wake up and you look in your closet and you say, I'm gonna wear this, and you put it on. It's a choice that you make every day to put on. And defiant joy is the same thing. You have to choose joy. And, and like the psalmist says, it's something you put on. It's something you, it, it, it's something you wake up and you say, okay, despite the situation, despite what's going on around me, I choose joy. I choose joy. It doesn't mean you're fake. It doesn't mean, no, it just means in the middle of the storm, something that God's given you can come up and you can practice this. Church, listen to me. I've been in the place of deep depression. I've been in that place where, where, I, where I had to take medicine just to begin to heal my mind. I've been in those dark places where I've wrestled with dark thoughts and I'm here to tell you that even in the middle of your worst storm, you can still choose joy. 
joy can still be. What if we were known for this? What if it was like Paul, where, where these trials and tribulations, they, they, it just seems different when we go through it. Something is significantly different. It's like they're, they're hardwired different. <laughs> it's a choice, church. You have to put it on. Colonel, uh, what's his name? Uh, Cornell West, he's the uh, professor of religion at Princeton University. He has this quote, man, I love. He says, the categories of optimist and pessimism don't exist in my world. I'm a prisoner of hope. Oh, I like that. The categories of, of optimism and pessimism, they just don't exist in my world because I am just a prisoner of this joy. And I go where it goes because it's the spirit of the Holy Spirit inside of me. Oh, church, what if we grasped this? What if we got this? What if every day, despite the situation, right? Despite the traffic, can I get an amen? If we said, I choose joy. I choose joy. I choose joy. Uh, another thought here, if you're taking notes. Defiant joy is like sriracha. It goes good with everything, baby. <laughs> Defiant joy is like sriracha. Have you ever been in a place, in a situation, doesn't matter the situation, where joy didn't work? No, right? Because joy, defiant joy, fits anywhere you go. It's that thing that goes well with everything. Should I tell the story? <laughs> so about 10 years ago, we're, okay, about 10 years ago, we're in youth ministry and we're doing a pancake breakfast and all the students are raising money doing this. And so we've got people coming early and uh, all the students are making pancakes and serving it to all the adults. And, and the children's pastor comes up to me and goes, Pastor Jake, Pastor Jake, um, there's a rather large guy who's sitting out there eating pancakes and his pants are coming down, like they're falling down. And all the little kids, they see it. And all the teenagers are, are starting to laugh and smirk. Can you please go talk to him? I said, absolutely. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what I'm getting. So I walk over and here's this, this big man. And he's sitting there, sure enough, man, like plumber, it's, it's there, right? Like it's hanging out. And so I walk up and, and I'm like, just chit chat. Hey man, how you doing? Like, this is your first time? Yeah. Just hey, uh, I don't know if you know, how do you bring this up, right? <laughs> By the way, um, I said, hey, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, your pants are kind of hanging down pretty low and some of the kids can see. And uh, I hope you don't mind. Could, is, do you think you can pull them up? You think that'd be good? And, and, and I'm not lying, I promise you, okay? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah. I'll get the front, you get the back. <laughs> I'm not lying. What, what, what do you do? What do you do? I got a split second, right? So I got, okay, all right. So he stands, I grab, as soon as I grab, moisture squeezes out of my hands. I, I cannot look over here to the, the students are on the floor rolling. They're just laughing. I can't look at them, right? I'm like, oh, Lord, please help me. 
I get up, I go. I had a father come up with a guy in the church. He says, listen, don't anyone ever tell you you're not like Jesus. That's the most Jesus thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I could have been all, I'm a pastor, <laughs> right? Like, I, pff, come on. Man, would you get serious? This is church here, right? I can, I can be that guy. I can come in, but listen, I know this now. Defiant joy goes good with everything. No matter where I'm at, I could be that guy and I could have completely killed just the spirit. Do you know what I'm talking about? The spirit that was in that church. And now I have teenagers telling telling me that story over and over (laughs) and over. The joy, man. Defiant joy goes good with everything. It's like sriracha. Do I got any sriracha fans here? Come on. J.R.R. Tolkien in his book, uh, Lord of the Rings, not the movie, there's this intense scene where they come out of one of the worst battles. And Pippin, who's one of the the hobbits that's traveling with Gandalf, uh, this wise wizard, uh, they're about to head into another battle, right off the cuffs of this major, major one. And there's this brokenness. We've all been there before, right? Where it's like, here we go. Here we go again. And Tolkien writes this in his book, and I love this because I think this really paints it, what we're talking about, this kind of defiant joy. It says, Pippin glanced in some wonder at the face now close beside his own, for the sound of that laugh had been gay and merry. Yet in the wizard's face, he saw at first only lines of care and sorrow. Though as he looked more intently, he perceived that under all there was a great joy, a fountain of mirth enough to set a kingdom laughing were it to gush forth. Jesus, on the day of Pentecost, he stands up. There's a tradition in the Jewish culture at temple. The priests on the day of Pentecost, which is, by the way, the same day the Holy Spirit is given out to the new church, There's this tradition where the rabbis at the very end of the feast, at the culmination of it all, would take these huge pots of water and at the very end of it, they would knock these huge pots of water and it would go flowing down the stairs and just going anywhere it did. And it was right in that moment that Jesus says, anyone who comes and follows me, out of him will flow rivers of living water. What's he saying? He's saying, man, I'm here, but when the Holy Spirit is in you, this life is just gonna flow out and it'll go and it'll touch and it'll hit anything and everyone that you come in contact with. We need that defiant joy, church. We need that. Lastly, I wanna unpack this. I love this, I love this. Defiant joy is planted within everyone. It's our responsibility to strengthen it to strengthen it. So I want to show you, because maybe you're asking the questions like, where does, the, where does this originate from? Like, what is this all about? Where's the, where's the origins of this thought? And I want to take you back to the, the creation narrative, because it actually has something that I think might speak into this. Check this out. Maybe you've read this and you've caught this. Uh, I did for years kind of miss this point, but in Genesis chapter 1, Verse three and four, on the first day of creation, this happens. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. Okay, everyone understand what's going on? 
We're good? Okay. But then just a couple verses later, we get this story. Genesis verses 16 through 19. And God made the two great lights. The greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on earth, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. Did anyone catch that? It seems like he creates the same thing again, doesn't he? It seems like in the first part, he's creating the sun and the moon, but it's not because we find out on day four that that's when he actually creates the physical light that me and you see. So many theologians will argue and and go, you can read commentaries on this, but our theologians only go back so far. And what's really cool is we're starting to dig into a little bit more of the history of the Jewish scholars who have studied. And they have argued over this topic for many, many, many years. They'll pull from references from uh, Isaiah 38, Job 40, Psalms 104, uh, from other uh, literature from the Jewish text. And here's, here's their hypothesis, if you will. And listen, I won't base doctrine off of this, but I think it's interesting and maybe there's something to it. They say, that instead of it being the physical light on the first day that God created, it was actually the fullness of life that he created. It's that joy. It's that, anyone watch the Maria Kondo or the Netflix girl, the spark joy, right? It's the spark, man. It's the joy. It's the fullness of life. And on the first day, it was like he said, before I get into any other business, let's put life in here. And that's what we carry. When we have the spirit of God in us, the light is only a reflection of the light source, right? Come on now, are you with me? The light is only a reflection of the light source. Therefore, the light that we are wired with, that you are born, if you said yes to Jesus, this joy, this fullness of life is in you and it's a reflection of him who's clothed in it, who lives in it church, if we were to grasp this, if we were to really get this, man, what would it do? What would it change? So we're responsible. It's already in you. If you said yes to Jesus, it's already there, but you need to cultivate it. You need to, to, to awaken it, right? You need... Joy is talked about as a fruit of the spirit, isn't it? A fruit is grown, right? For a season, it sits on manure, <laughs> Hello? There's a season sometimes that we go through, but out through that, that joy can be grown, can be cultivated in our lives, right? It's something we're responsible to do. So what do we do? Maybe you're here and you say, my joy is like this, man. I feel like everywhere I go, I'm, I'm just depleted in this area. So what do I do? Jesus gives us the instructions. That's what's so beautiful about this. In Revelations, he says, listen, you have the reputation for being alive, but you're dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains. Listen to me, church. Wake up and strengthen what remains. So how do we strengthen what remains? 
A couple thoughts real quick and we're gonna close up here. First thing I would maybe challenge you to do is this. Take a spiritual risk, right? So you don't get bored with your Christianity. How many of you know if you do anything for a long period of time, it has the tendency to get boring? So don't let it. Shake it up. Do something risky, man. Go on a missions trip. (laughs) Go to a men's retreat. Wake up a little earlier. Shake up how you do your quiet times. I have to do this consistently in my life. I haven't done my quiet times the same in years. Every year or so, I gotta change it up. I gotta gotta, uh, rethink how I'm doing it just to keep it fresh, just to keep it alive. Take a risk, man. Take a risk. Shake it up. Maybe fast. I don't know what it is. Maybe you already know in your mind what that risk is. But jump out and do it. Don't let the world look at you and see this bland. That's not the reflection of Jesus. Right? Take a spiritual risk. Next, give yourself away, man. It's hard to be low when you're being nice to people, isn't it? It's hard to be low when you're being nice to people. Give yourself away. There are times when, when I come in here, I don't feel like church, man. I don't feel like being, you know, Pastor Jake. And there's times I come in and, 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 and I'm like, just not feeling it. You know, Dude, can I, are we all real here? Like, there's just times we just don't. And I found when I serve others, when I come in and I, and I, and I begin to serve, you know, uh, strangers and, and friends that I know, I find myself getting that joy back. And maybe that's something, listen, it's, Jesus said, if you want to sum the Bible all up, love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Everything hangs on this, he says, on these two commands. Give yourself away. And then lastly, I'd say this, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes, the lack of joy sometimes is losing focus on Jesus himself. I've found in my life that sometimes when my joy is lacking, when I'm sitting on C470 and my face is red (laughs) and I wanna honk the horn, I usually find that it correlates with how much time I'm focusing on Jesus. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's a song we used to sing growing up. It says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And that's what it's about. Sometimes there's just times, man, some of you today, you just need to go home and you just need to spend 10 minutes with Jesus. Get back to the source, to the light source. Are you with me? Sometimes some of us need to do something radical and sometimes it's just little, little changes. So here I am at this middle school dance with my kettleball faith. (laughs) And I'm hurt, I'm broken because I see what the world is seeing of Christians. And I don't want that narrative. I wanna change the narrative. So here I am, I'm sitting up against the wall, and I realized I need to do something. I'm 13 years old, and man, I don't know what it is. You may say it was just my emotions. I think it was the Spirit of God. He got on the DJ mic, and he played the perfect song for the right time. 
Am I right? Come on! <laughs> I just began to dance. I just began to let it out, man. I wanted people. Did I look goofy? Of course I look goofy. You just saw me. Those are one of the clips you see on YouTube. Am I right? Right? <laughs> did they walk away seeing Jesus differently? I hope so. I hope so. I'm going to invite the worship band to come on up as we close here. Would you stand with me? <clears throat> now, we're going to sing a, call, a song called Joy. And you may not know this, but the requirement for singing a song called Joy <laughs> requires you to be joyful. Now, I want to read this verse, and then JJ and the band is going to take it over. And if you don't mind, we might have a little fun in here. Is that all right? Here's my question to you, church. What if everyone in this room walked out of here with this defiant joy? How would the world, how would Lone Tree see this church? How would Lone Tree see you as a Christian? Do you think it might change something? I think it might. I wanna read this verse to you. It's found in Romans chapter eight. Man, let this sink into your soul and connect with your spirit. God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. This resurrection life you receive from God, it's not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant. Greeting God with a child like, what's next, Papa? What's next? Do it again, God. Do it again. And tomorrow morning when I wake up, do it again, God. I don't want this to ever die. It's not an emotion. It's a choice that I make today to be the life and the light that Jesus calls us to be. So can we have some fun? Yeah. <laughs> All right, JJ, you ready? Yeah. Let's do it, man.